We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to a new first edition of Outside the Trenches here on the brand new KC Sports Network. I cannot tell you how excited we all are to get this thing officially going. Nick, it feels like it's been forever. We're going to have a fun episode here. We're going to have Jeff Schwartz uh, talk a little offensive line. We're going to have Matt Miller join, talk about the Chiefs draft, uh, and a lot to be excited about there. But here in the first part, I just want to get this out because we've been holding it in for so long that we finally get to announce KC Sports Network. Yeah, I think it's a cool ecosystem that you've sort of put together, uh, you know, kind of everything in one little space. So it could be like a Poly Shore Biodome is what it is. You can come here and you could share and just uh, all the platforms. Oh, are here. All right. I screwed that up. I don't even have my fucking headphones in. I just thought you were doing Bluetooth or something. Oh, there's going to be a bad echo on the recording. I just can't hear it. Dumbass. All right. Let's try that again, going in one minute. Hey, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another new first edition. I don't know how to pronounce this or how to put this out there, but welcome to Outside the Trenches here on the brand new KC Sports Network. We have been sitting on this news for a long time, working very hard to put this together. And finally, that time is now. Nick, it feels like it's been forever. We're going to talk a little draft. We've got Jeff Schwartz joining the show to talk about the new additions and the offseason that Brett Fee just had in, in putting the Chiefs offensive line together. And then Matt Miller from ESPN uh, is also going to join us to talk about the Chiefs draft in 2021. Before we get to all that, Nick, we've been sitting on this news for a while. I'm excited to finally share uh, the KC Sports Network is out there. We've got a whole team together, uh, a lot of cool stuff planned. Yeah, no, it looks awesome. I, I, I love the I love the logo, uh, the graphics, the font. You know, I think it's really cool. Uh, I'm excited for the, the merch, right? That, that's one of my, my, my favorite things I'm excited for. And, and then yeah. I think it's cool that you've kind of organized this um, this platform for everything Kansas City sports. And just uh, I'm thankful to be a part of it from from the football side and to farm my own little field there. And uh, we've come a long way, right, since uh, doing this uh, at your old job and uh, uh, now kind of this COVID times in our home studios or are fancy behind us now and it's professional bj good job dude i just stepped my game up so i got the kc sports network logo i got the office set up i know you've got your deals set up but uh i love what you said because yeah this platform it's going to be daily newsletters uh from people that you've already read whether it's myself whether it's matt derrick we got a beat writer and then to get the the guys coming over from arrowhead pride and kent swanson craig stout matt lane and the the audience they've been able to cultivate with both their written pod or both their written content and with their podcast. I'm excited to put this whole thing together because nobody's tried anything like this before to get a former team insider, to get three former players, two of whom played for coach Reed on this team and recently retired over the last couple of years with Mike DeVito and Jeff Allen uh, having their own podcast that we'll announce here in a couple of weeks. But excited for those guys to be part of it. Obviously you and I uh, go way back, even before I was working at the chiefs, you were one of the first guys. I don't think a lot of, we haven't talked about this a lot on this show, but it really does come pl completely full circle because going back to when I was writing at Arrowhead Pride and you and I were staying in touch where you were one of the guys where I would reach out to and be like, I don't know the game at this level, but here's what I have. Is this stupid? And I'll never forget meeting you at Saints up in Shawnee. And we sat and Man. talked like three hours drinking about football. And you were one of the first people, honestly, who had played this game at such a high level. You have a Super Bowl ring um, to take this, 
you know, college baseball player who loves the game and treated me with respect. And that always stuck with me that it led to this becoming a thing. And it's, it's grown from there. I'm excited to do it with you. Uh, we had the sh- outside the trenches was the flagship show. We did it uh, when we were working at the chiefs within the trenches was the flagship show of that network. And then obviously we've got this whole deal, which is a whole different deal. We've got a bunch of partners. We have a bunch of activations. We've got gift cards. We've got giveaways. We've got access to, to players and prospects and all this cool stuff uh, that I can't wait to just slowly announce over time. We have so much that we can tell you. I don't want to fire hose everybody with what we've got going on, but daily newsletters every morning, daily podcasts from a group that I'd rival as far as Chiefs content with anything you could find out there right now. Yeah, it's like uh, all you can eat buffet, and, and I'm looking forward to it too. And I know there's a few little buffet things that I'm into, and just the, the quality of the writing on this platform is going to be is going to be fantastic, and yeah. it's going to be so cool to see. And you can come here and just learn so much about Chiefs football. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic like you mentioned, it's a fantastic mix of personalities. And then again, uh, I'm a former team insider. Whatever that entails, stories or just mm-hmm. kind of perspective of knowing kind of how things work. Uh, behind the scenes and we've got somebody there and matt derrick who's there every day he's a credential beat writer right now he's going to be in the locker room as soon as it opens up he's at all the press conferences we've got the three top bloggers that have the most traffic the number one podcast in chief's kingdom right now uh with the the kc laboratory that's coming over and obviously with the three former players and getting their perspectives i just don't think from a chiefs fan perspective you can get a better mix of personalities and perspectives than what we have and we've built it to be as efficient as we possibly can with the content and that we're literally sending it to your email every single morning. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. But then also we've got the website. We've got the newsletter. If you like that next level analysis that Craig Kent, Matt, myself, uh, and even Matt Derrick with some of the, the breaking news stuff. If you want to stay up to date, we can do that for you. And then we haven't yet mentioned the fact that let it fly media is a partner in this and they are the ones who are going to make sure everything looks fantastic uh that our partners are taken care of with all of the assets that we've got for them because uh once people find out that you can cultivate this audience and that you can speak to chiefs fans and they they trust you and they respect you and you've got that audience and that trust with them um that that attack that attracts sponsors and businesses that want to get their messaging out and the one thing I will tell people and ask, you know, why, what are the questions that no disrespect to anyone and anywhere we've been, I've written it a bunch of different platforms, but what we've done with this is you really take the wizard from behind the curtain and everybody gets to see everybody that's a part of it, whether it was, you know, SB Nation and Arrowhead Pride or Bleacher Report or Chiefs.com, whatever it is, there's always this big company behind everything. And that, from a business perspective, leads to certain things that aren't always in the best interest of freelancers, um, whether it's financially or just kind of control over what you're building. And now we have control over what we're building. That's why we did it this way. And we're trying something different uh, that people aren't doing right now. It's kind of where content is headed. And so I'm excited about that. Our goal is to entertain, educate and inform. And again, I feel like with the crew that we have, you're not going to find a better eight people together creating Chiefs content than what we've got. And again, with Let It Fly Media behind it, you know it's going to look fantastic. It is. And I love the stuff that um, Evan and Justin are doing behind the scenes. Like I've seen some of the stuff on Instagram, like filming Ocean and doing all, all the stuff. And it's like, you know, you kind of buried the lead with, man, the visual, the visual stuff, man. Once we get like the live stuff going and, and start doing uh, uh, you know, production shoots and, you know, on, on location, it's going to look like a damn professional studio. Like it's yeah, I'm excited. And make sure you follow all the social accounts. Cause we, like I said, we have a ton of information. We have a ton of partners. We have eight partners um, already with the network and uh, we've, we've got space to add just a few more, uh, but we're excited about that and what we're able to build here. Uh, again, something from scratch and the, the support that we've already gotten and just the, the excitement with those guys announcing that the laboratory was leaving and they were still in this chief space. Uh, it was cool. It was exciting for all of us to that have been doing this for more than a decade. I mean, it really it's weird to look back and say, you know, you've been blog, I've been blogging and creating Chiefs content for, you know, more than 10 years. And you learn things over time of what, you know, what works, what doesn't work. And when all of a sudden you step back and you're like, hey, rather than trying to, you know, square peg round hole uh, with certain ideas you have, it's like, you know what, why don't we just try our own thing? And that's yeah. kind of where this started. And this is where it ended up. And it's a beautiful thing. You get to hang out with good people, our buddies, 
Uh, everybody's in all in on this and the benefactors are going to be obviously Chiefs fans uh, getting the same great content just more efficiently and in a more creative way in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, opening up the access um, that I have and that we have and the relationships that we've gotten both with Let It Fly and draft prospects and the people that we're working with, but also, you know, on the NFL side, uh, we have a lot of relationships that we can use. So excited about all that. Again, a um, lot more coming. So again, please make sure you're subscribed um, on the Substack. stack, uh, go to our social channels, make sure you can get all that. Uh, but I want to get into this episode because we do have a very special guest who's going to be joining us um, for a long time known as a former offensive lineman. And then for a little while, he was Mitch Schwartz's brother. And right now, I think he's going to be known as, you know, the host of you know the Big Boys Club uh, on FS1, a fantastic show that kind of peels kind of peek behind the curtain of offensive linemen and just what it really is like uh, to do that. So, uh, Nick, excited to bring on our next guest. And former Chiefs offensive lineman and FS1, he's all over the place. You know who he is and Jeff Schwartz. And as I just mentioned, our special guest, Jeff Schwartz, again, once known as former Chiefs offensive lineman, former NFL offensive lineman, that guy on Twitter, Mitch Schwartz's brother, yes. and now the the podcast godfather has about 97 podcasts that he's a part of, creating content, and the star and host of the Big Boys Club on FS1, a fantastic show that if you followed any of our uh, social media accounts or any of the Chiefs offensive linemen that were drafted over the last weekend. Yes. Uh, you've seen that content. So, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. I like to think that Brett Veach was watching our show, and that's why I decided to draft Creed and Trey Smith, <laughs> um, which I'm sure they, they, they had the draft board set up. They're like, oh, wow, look at Schwartz's show. Move those guys up to the top <laughs> of the draft board. Um, but it was it was pretty awesome, I mean, to have you know the connection with the Chiefs and have two of the guys that we featured on there. Uh, pretty awesome. So what did you learn from, from that feature with, uh, l let's start with Creed since he was the higher draft pick. Uh, what, what are some of the things uh, in your familiarity with Creed Humphrey? Yeah, well, obviously his football skills are there to see, right? I mean, you could see the ability that he has to use his hips and he, he attributes that to his wrestling background, being able to move guys kind of with his leverage. But to me, and this is it's something that I found fascinating, he'll actually do less mentally than he did at Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, you know, he called out the run, you know, the run fits and the IDs and things like that, which is typical for an offensive lineman too. But he also did the pass protections. And I asked him, hey, did you talk to the quarterbacks? He goes, no, I made all the changes. I made the adjustments. I made the audibles. Well, the NFL, Pat Mahomes is doing that for you now, right? Like you'll yeah, do the right. Like Pat's yeah. the one who's like, okay, we're changing the protection. We're doing this now. And obviously he still needs to ID where we're going to start, but if there's any changes up front, he can suggest them to the quarterback, but ultimately Pat is the one who's in charge of that. So he'll actually do less mentally, which is pretty impressive to come from that offense and go into Andy Reid's offense. But I think what's important is, you know, in Andy Reid's offense, the attention to detail is, is so important. And Creed had that at Oklahoma. If you watch him play, very, very little mental mistakes. If you watch his technique and his footwork, very little wasted motion, very little you know time spent out of place. And so for me, that's why I think he's a great fit for this offense. I, I, I think they, they drafted a guy who day one is probably the center. Uh, it might be a little different because of training camp is you know not as what it used to be and there's, there's really no offseason program. Um, but he's a guy that, that comes in right now and plays right away. He's a, he's a good football player. You know, it makes sense that you say that, too, because I was watching his film and he would track. He would be on different like on pass pro. He'd be on different levels for, from his guards and you'd see him play center field and he would track a linebacker. So that all makes sense that he wasn't yes. looking to the sidelines and waiting for, for a coach. No, he did. And he did. A, it was great. I mean, look, think about it. He played with Baker, Kyler and Jalen Hurts. Like those are the three guys he played with. He's on the he's on the, the Joe Mord winning offensive line. They're at Oklahoma. Uh, all five of those guys ended up being drafted from the 2018 offensive line. So, um, you know, kind of a, a, a long history of success there at Oklahoma for those offensive linemen. So I'm excited to see what they do. And I think the overall picture of this offensive line rehaul is physicality up front, right? If you, if you look at who they drafted, who they brought in for agency, it's all about being, in my opinion, more physical up front. And Creed definitely fits that. And I'm curious to ask you, and if it, if it's flying too close to the sun, please let me know. Uh, but it seemed I've seen some stuff out there, and from the guys of the KC Laboratory, put out the idea of seems like the, the prototypical offensive lineman that they've gone after lends itself to at least putting the idea out there that they may be switching up from so much predominantly outside zone 
to some more yeah. gap stuff, some more physical stuff with the type of players they brought in with Orlando Brown and what they saw from him in Baltimore. What do you think about that? And again, we're talking about Creed Humphrey here to start. We'll get to Trey Smith in a second, but with Creed Humphrey, it's a two-time uh Big 12 offensive lineman of the year didn't allow a sack in his entire career. So talking about that, that mental acuity to play that position. But for you, what do you think about just in general, the moves the chiefs have made this off season with the offensive line and maybe changing up the, the scheme just a little bit. Well, obviously, you know, Eric Fisher, my brother got hurt and, and they released him. That's part of the game. I mean, I don't think there's any ill will to, to, you know, that Eric has and my brother has towards the chiefs. I mean, that's just, that's part of it, right? In a year where the salary cap, was, was shrunk by 17 or 18 million dollars sometimes there are cap casualties for that and my brother fell into that so did eric fisher i mean my brother was there five years he won a super bowl was a four-time all pro i don't think he'd be mad about his <laughs> his stay there but yeah, there's right. a couple of things that i think is happening with the chiefs offense so look you always try to improve right and evolve and i think what we're going to see in this this year i think we're going to do is go back to a little bit of basics right they're going to run the ball a little bit more which is not really andy's thing I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more. They're more physical up front with acquisitions. Two, they're going to go back to the quick passing game. We've seen a little bit of that disappear in this offense, I feel like. I feel like that, you know, that's been a staple with Andy Reid has done for so many years. The, the quick passing game is important for a lot of reasons. One, the ball gets out of Mahomes' hand quickly, right? So he's not going to get hit. It gets, kind of gets the offense in a rhythm. It takes what the defense gives you. They want to give you a seven yard completion, get a seven yard completion. Good. Move, keep moving down the field, keep moving down the field. But when you do that, when you have a quick passing game, you need big offensive linemen because you want to set very firm, right? And that's really what they teach anyways. But if you set firm, you have a nice pocket for Mahomes so he can just step up and throw the ball. Three is we're going to get back to screens. Okay? I think we saw the last half, the last half of, of the season last year, screens kind of went away in this offense. And it makes sense because Andy Reid is very detailed in how he teaches them. And with a lot of backup offensive linemen there, I don't think he trusted them to execute the screens the way he wanted. Now he had... Joe, Joe Tooney, smart, intellectual, played in New England, who was a great screen team. Mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey, smart, you know, smart, intellectual, right guard. You know, we, we get that in a little bit, you know, more. But you have, you have, you know, LDT, Kyle Long, and let's say Trey Smith. All three guys competing for that spot. All very bright individuals as well. So I think there's concerted effort to go back to the screen game. And fourth, I think we're going to see more play action pass from under center, which is what Andy Reid has always mm-hmm. done. They've gone away from that in more shotgun, but this gives Pat really a very easy platform to throw from. And it's really one or two people to read, right? You're just reading a linebacker safety and you play action pass, you roll them out, you have a big firm pocket in there and let them rip it. So I think this is a, 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 a stylistic change in the offense, kind of going back to his roots a little bit. Cause I think, you know, last year, it's fair to say at times, while the offense still scored a bunch of points, it looked disjointed a bunch. I think this is the mm-hmm. way to yeah. kind of get it back into rhythm. Yeah. Been... I, I, 100% Go right. ahead, Nick. Oh, no, yeah, I was, I was just gonna saying. Say you're up. You're bigger <laughs> yeah, than I have, me. To- I have the talking stick now, right? Yes. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I mean, to, to, to your point, the screen game, you look at a guy like Orlando Brown, and he, you would think, like, when you turn on the film, if you hadn't watched him, that, okay, you look at his his stats, right? He's, what, like 620 and 500 pounds, right? And you expect him to be like a Bryant McKinney type, where he's just going to he's gonna be stout, but he's not yeah. going to be uh, great in space. But you watch him, man, he is fantastic in space. Like, he plays like he's he's 6'3", 305. And so you're right. I, I do think this offense is developing more towards a screen game and just you get all the drafts every free agent acquisition is athletic and yeah. really athletic and really great in space and, and that's some of the notes on on everyone i've had is is great getting to second level and, and awesome making those reactions in space so yeah it's something that that the the, the chiefs have forgotten about and it makes sense to forget about the run game when you haven't had that marquee running back or, or that o-line that's going to be nasty and bruiser type yeah, and you know, Orlando Brown acquisition is, is fairly interesting because it was very clear the Chiefs at 31 didn't like the tackle that was there. And I, I kind of get that, right? There was kind of a top echelon of tackles, and then there was kind of the next group of tackles. And some of those guys, if you look at where they went, yeah, maybe they're day one stars, maybe they're not. The Chiefs have kind of a window now to need a guy at left tackle, right? Um, and Orlando Brown, as, as you mentioned, moves very well, very physical up front. But this could be a big change for him. He's going to have to pass protect 200, 250 times more he ever has in his career. That, that That's a lot. That's a lot more pass protection. Um, and so I'm curious to see how he makes that transition. He wants to be left tackle. Go for it. This is, this is your opportunity, right? If you play well in this offense, you'll get $25 million next season as a free agent, right? Like, is this his opportunity to make that happen? But I, I do think I'm just curious to see how that's going to work because it's, it's going to be different. He's not going to have the protection of, hey, we might run the ball here. 
or hey, Lamar might take off. Um, you know, Mahomes obviously he, he can move and but he's in the same kind of place every time in the pocket. So I'm curious to see how that transition is made uh, by him. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, he's obviously athletic enough to to do it. So I'm rooting for him. I want to put the the bow on Creed uh, Humphrey here real quick before we move on to Trey Smith and talking about all the moves the Chiefs made. Uh, Creed may or may not have some Jack Stack barbecue headed his way this week uh, down there to Norman, Oklahoma, uh, brought to you by the KC Sports Network. But the other thing that I do want to, to ask you about, Jeff, regarding this, because you've played with some of these guys. The Chiefs have had some really good history, and not that Brett Veach was there for all of this, but you go from drafting Rodney Hudson in the second round to Mitch Morse, which at two different times were the highest-paid centers in football, to make right. a move for Creed Humphrey when your quarterback is entering his prime. You talk about one of the best centers in this draft, that Creed Humphrey is going to be the center, barring some sort of injury, for the majority of Patrick Mahomes' prime. And so that's a reason to get really excited about, despite the fact that Chiefs fans who don't know Duke Manyweather know that Duke Manyweather is training the interior offensive line for the future of Patrick Mahomes, like prime of his career. And that's a really good thing for Chiefs fans. And Jeff, I want to ask you about Trey Smith because obviously Creed Humphrey was the first pick. So a lot of content is going to be about him, but I remember talking to Duke about 18 months ago about Trey Smith and that name came up as a guy that was going to be drafted significantly higher, if not day one, definitely day two Um, for chiefs fans that, that are, that don't necessarily follow it all or don't know all the backstory to see a sixth round pick. This is not a sixth round pick. Uh, There were reasons that he was drafted where he was has nothing to do with his talent or what you should expect from him as a chiefs fan moving forward. Yeah, he was the highest recruit in the country in 2017. And the whole entire nation went to Tennessee, plays a true freshman, moved to left tackle his sophomore season after playing right guard. And halfway through, they found blood clots. Um, so he missed the rest of the 2018 season. Then in 2019, he played every single game at left guard in, in 2019, but he didn't practice very much. And the, the worry is that, you know, if you're on blood thinners, the, you know, if you get a head injury, it's, it's worse, right? So, the, so they try to limit his contact in practice and get him through the games. The last season he practiced again. So he was back to practicing, back to playing. But I think that concern over blood clots dropped him off team's boards, dropped him off of, of everyone's you know, radar. You know, he is a second or third round talent. There's no doubt about it. He even might even be a first round talent. So to get him in the sixth round, especially if he medically clears up and checks out, is a huge value for the Chiefs. He is an awesome person. Um, look what he did in, in, in Knoxville as far as using his platform to speak for his community and speak for his teammates and speak for him as well. Um, and you root for this kid. I mean, if you go watch him on Big Boys Club, he's got a cowboy hat, hunting, fishing. Uh, he plays, <laughs> he, he does, he, he likes video games and anime. Like he built his own computer out and all this stuff to play video. I mean, he's a, just a well rounded human, but um, he takes people's souls on the field, man. He gets after it when he blocks. And so this is a huge steal for the Chiefs if he can stay healthy. I think we overuse that term from time to time. Um, And there's really only two guys, in my opinion, the whole draft that have this tag, which is uh, Trey Smith and also Elijah Molden, who the the Titans drafted in the third round, the corner. I couldn't believe he went in the third round. Um, But Trey Smith, man, he he is everything they want. And again, if he's healthy, he will be starting as a rookie. I, I, I feel very confident in that. And then, do, wow. do, you, do you think it'll be at that right guard spot? Well, here's the you know here's the fun part about what the Chiefs can do, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of take their time, right? Like, so I mean, look, it's very yeah. much I think it's Brown, Thune, and Creed, right? I mean, that, I think mm-hmm. was, is how they would like to do it uh, from from left to right. Um, you know, then right guard and right tackle can be a combination of Trey Smith and the young kid from TCU. Mm-hmm. It could be yeah. Trey Smith and Kyle Long, Trey Smith and Mike Remmers. It could be. Kyle Long and Trey Smith. I mean, it could be sort of a combination. And look, and you might say, hey, you know, uh, you know, Creed's not ready to play center yet. Let's move Joe over there and put Trey at left guard and put Kyle at right guard and put so there's many options of guys to move around, which I think the Chiefs want, right? Not only did they get better as a starting unit, but they improved their depth, right? So they run yeah. into a situation like you know, like like last year, like, hey, we have one game to play, everyone's hurt. Well, guess what? We have starters. That can play if they had this depth last year obviously they probably win the super bowl so they really attacked this position hard no they they, they really did and then have you ever seen a, a super a team that make it to the super bowl and just completely gut their offensive line like i'm trying to look back i, mean, I don't think I, i've ever I, seen that in my life i don't think so um but you know the, the circumstances were pretty unique with the injuries right i mean if, if yes. mitch and if you know mitch and eric don't get hurt and even and even 
if they lose a Super Bowl, they would just run it back with the same team, right? But you had injuries, yeah. and then you 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 it would be um it would be wise to look at how they've lost playoff games. They've lost two playoff games with Pat and Andy. One, they got outscored in overtime, and two, their offensive line sucked, right? So yeah. so th- those are the two ways to beat them. And now they fixed the one issue. And now you're basically saying, hey, in a three-game playoff, assuming they have the bye, and it's not always assuming that, but even a four-game playoff, can you outscore us? Can you, can you, because you're not going to stop our offense now, right? With, with you know injuries aside, you ain't stopping our offense. So I like the aggressive nature. I love it. You know, they didn't really invest in the position, I think, enough the last couple of years to kind of avoid the issues they had. Look, and they, to be fair, uh, the kid from TCU set out last season, right? Mm-hmm. He was you know, yeah. he, They drafted yeah. him to kind of – be that swing guy. So that's unfair to say the Chiefs didn't address the position, but they didn't right. go as aggressive on it with, with, with draft picks that had, you know, had, you know, as, as other teams have been contenders. So I like what they did, man. They overcorrected an issue and they're much better now. Yeah. And we, we talk about the depth. We're talking about three guys that have played for them that we didn't even mention yet. And then Laurent Duvernay, Tardif, Andrew Wiley, Martinez Rankin, Nick Allegretti. These are guys that we didn't even just mention in like a two deep roster as far as that competition of what training camp is going to look like, which knowing those guys, you want to root for all those guys who want to do the best they can. But the job is to create competition. And they felt like there was an area of the team that needed to be better. And they freaking took care of it. I don't think any Chiefs fan, if you would have rewound three months, would have expected Brett Veach and Andy Reid and crew to make this kind of a overhaul again on the offensive line. Wouldn't think it'd be possible to bring in guys like Orlando Brown, Joe Thune, Creed Humphrey, Trey yeah. Smith, all of these Kyle Long, all of these guys that come in and be a part of it. So uh, that part's really good. I want to ask you, Jeff, because I think a lot of people can get, um, they can watch the big boys and they should absolutely watch the big boys club, but knowing these guys personally, uh, it seems like they've got pretty good personalities, especially uh, with Trey Smith, with all the stuff that we saw on social media and obviously Creed, um, we know enough of the same people that have said he's got a great personality. But how do you see these guys, having been around them, fitting within the community and fitting within like Coach Heck and that room? Just kind of the the story behind it. Yeah, we can well, see the stuff on the field, but all the other stuff. I mean, I think I think Trey will fit in well. I mean, you know, he is he's so bright, uh, he's so mature. Um, you know, I think he, he'll fit in well everywhere. You know, Creed just feels like a typical offensive lineman, right? Just like he's just a dude. Like you saw him at, at you know at the at Super Bowl at his uh, draft party. You know, he had wing stop and like beer was wearing like a flannel <laughs> shirt. Like he's just a dude. And Shawnee, I mean, Oklahoma. Yeah, and I think Trey again. Like he's, I just like I'm rooting for Trey because I felt bad for the kid, man. Like he should have been drafted in day two and just didn't. So I hope he goes in there and just tears it up. But I know he said he he wants to and. um those guys will fit in well fit in well with that room. On paper, right now, if you look at it, and, and let's say you go with the lineup with Creed at center, um, and then right guard, you can say you know uh, either Kyle or Trey Smith at right guard, right tackle. Top ten, top five offensive line, just based off of composition and and film, uh, previous film. Um, I mean, it's hard to say that with two rookies playing in there, and, yeah. and Kyle haven't played in in a year or and change. Um, but yes, um, because you look at around the NFL, you mean Dallas's offensive line is just are they hurt or not? We don't know quite yet, right? The Eagles have been good for years, but they're beat up. Yeah. Um, you look at the Saints, the Saints are good offensive line. Uh, they, they, they're going to be one of the top as usual. The Colts yeah. are good, but who's their left tackle, right? They don't have left tackle right now, so hard to say. Mm-hmm. Colts will be up there. Uh, the Packers had a good offensive line, they got rid of two guys, right? They have some center, some young players now. Uh, playing so um to me it's it is the chiefs i think the chiefs have separated themselves from the afc i i, I think the browns have done a good job building their team so the bills but yeah. who's beating them like really yeah. like you have to just outscore them and and you have to hope that the you know, chiefs have injuries and they've stayed at least offensively uh you know uh, they've been relatively healthy the skill position yeah. the one guy who can't get hurt is travis like he's the guy that makes the offense go um if you were to get injured, it would change a lot of things. But otherwise, the Chiefs have had you – know, they've played through some injury issues as well, so they kind of have been able to do it all. I don't, I don't see a season where they're injury ravaged because they haven't – you know, that's not really what happened. So um, how do you beat them? I mean, you have to win games like 40 to, to 37, like the Raiders did last year, 40-32. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be like Baylor and West Virginia in the Big 12 yeah. days when it was like you know, <laughs> basketball scores, right? Those overs those overs are going to be hitting every time the Chiefs play. That, that's, that's for sure on, on all. Right. Jeff, before we let you go, I do want to bring this point up because a lot of people have been 
since the offensive line got me over, made a lot of points about what it means for Mahomes and that Mahomes should be the happiest person in Kansas City. I think the happiest two people in Kansas City are Brittany <laughs> because she's the one has to watch him get it. Yes. Uh, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think not enough people have talked about Clyde and what he can do. I think a lot of people are complaining about the running back in the first round last year and how he was used and all that kind of stuff. But when you put that offensive line, you get a guy like Creed. I, I put on social, I'm excited to see all those screens and all those angles that we see Mitch Morse running on 20 yards down the field where it looks like a sw- it doesn't look like a screen until you notice that the center is out there running a 4-9 down the field. Uh, and I'm excited to see Creed out in front of some of those highlights of, of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire showing that lateral agility and some of that, that ability and space with the screen yeah. game that I thought we'd see more of in his rookie year. Again, I think the problem with the screen game was just the backup offensive lineman there. Just he didn't trust that they would get to where they have to be. I mean, that, I think that's part of – it could be as simple as that. They just did, they didn't trust he would be there. Uh, they would be there where they're supposed to be at. So, yeah, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, again, the Chiefs um, – you know, Andy Reid doesn't, doesn't really want to run the football, but I think they're going to go back to, to doing that and kind of pounding on teams a little bit, especially with the acquisitions they made in the offseason. So, yes, I think we see a much bigger year from – but, but you know, the thing about Andy is that – He's really not beholden to one running back. If someone's hot, he'll ride that guy. So, you know, if Clyde Rhodes Hilaire comes out and, you know, he has uh, three carries for four yards and then Jared McKinnon comes in and he rips off two long runs, Edwards Hilaire is the backup for the day. Like, he, like Andy yeah. will ride with the hot guy. So there's no saying that, you know, that Clyde Edwards is going to have a great season. I think he will, but Andy don't care. And, and just wants points and, you know, and whatever back can do that for him on that week, that's who he's rolling with a great point jeff we appreciate you for joining us on the podcast before yes. we let you go do you have what do you want to plug what do you um, got what do you got going on so you can go to my uh my twitter at jeff schwartz jeff with g my podcast which is jeff schwartz is smarter than you always appreciate that and i'm actually writing an article this week for fox sports on why the chiefs are not going to be beating the afc i just don't see it so chiefs fans will enjoy me pump up the chiefs uh after this o-line acquisitions but chiefs a lot of chiefs Chiefs Twitter told me that that the world like they were they got their ass kicked in the Super Bowl so they can no longer compete in the AFC, change everything, redo everything, and then they they fix the entire I mean, offensive Mah- line Mahomes, and actually work. Mahomes makes a lot of this right. Yeah, like he, he just does. Like that's he can cover up a lot of warts if he's healthy, if he's able to to do what he has to do. Um, then they're really really hard to stop. Yeah. One of the things about the Chiefs offensive line the last few years, a lot of guys on second contracts and what you look at right now, Creed Humphrey, Lucas Niang, and Trey Smith, if all three of those work out, you're looking at three guys yeah. at rookie deals, which is better roster composition as you look at yeah. the salary cap and all those things. So, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a busy man. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll make sure to send you some Jack Stack barbecue because we want to take care of the guys who take care please. of the guys who take care of 15. So we will send please, you some barbecue. Please, I will always take barbecue with open arms. And Jack Stacks is my favorite when I was in Kansas City, so I'll take it. Nice. Perfect. What was your order? What was your order? Um, yeah, so, let me know. So I liked the lamb ribs, weirdly enough. This is like, a, is, a, is like a side, but I like the beef, any beef rib, like the crown prime rib, the beef one, uh-huh. just a rack of oh, beef yeah. ribs. Like, that's why I like them better than other places because they have the beef ribs. Pork ribs you get anywhere, but give me beef ribs. Love yeah. them. They're coming. Little little crown prime rib. I sent that go. in there for. I said I included that for Creed because I was like, I'm throwing this, and I can't not include some <laughs> good, prime good. rib. So, all right, thank you, Jeff. All we right, appreciate your time, man. All right, great stuff as always, right there from Jeff Schwartz and another friend of the show who's been on here multiple times, and now ESPN draft analyst Matt Miller also owns the Draft Scout, a Substack that if you have not subscribed to it, Matt, I'm going to go on a limb and say that you post more. Uh, and you send out more content than any other uh, individual <laughs> writer on Substack. It's great stuff. I love following it throughout the draft. But uh, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. I'm holding it, holding in there. Uh, I'm excited for what you guys have going, though. Like you said, I I went out on a limb, um, you know, several months ago. Left Bleacher Report after ten years there, and decided to launch my own Substack, uh, thedraftscout.com. Then got picked up by ESPN to contribute on television, and so it's been a crazy draft season. Uh, but it's it's been a lot of fun, and I'm I'm super excited to hang out with you guys here for a little bit tonight. Thank you. I know that you both uh, have been doing this for so long, more than 10 years that we've known each other doing content, me mainly Chiefs, you mainly NFL Draft. And for both of us to basically land in the same place saying we want more ownership, we want more control over what we're doing and the the audience that we're building and just kind of want to be able to build it and own that in some sort of way. Uh, So it's special to see what you've been doing and we're excited about it. Thank you. 
I don't know how much you want to get into this. I'm just going to go off topic here. But after you guys spent five minutes, like, here's the rundown, and I'm going to ruin it one minute in. You know, the biggest (laughs) thing for me, I will be eternally grateful to Bleacher Report. And I loved working there. I mean, BJ, you know, I I raved about the place and even brought you on for a short time working with me. I loved it. One of the, the things that was hard for me, though, is, I mean, we were doing large ad deals and and not getting a cut of it. And that's just industry standard, right? That's that's how the sports journalism industry works. But that was the moment for me. It was like, I'm spending my day doing this Dos Equis commercial and I'm not even like getting a free Dos Equis out of it. So it was like, and again, that's, that's nothing against Bleach Report. That's how the industry works. Unless you do what we're doing, which is go out on your own and take complete ownership. You know, Pat McAfee's done a great job with it as well, albeit on a different platform. But I think that is the future of journalism is you either work for one of the few large networks or you take ownership and do your own thing. And so it's, it's really fascinating. We're kind of at a, a little bit of a fork in the road as far as sports journalism and, and all journalism really is concerned because, you know, you either, there's only so many jobs like mine that exist, especially. So you almost have to build your own brand and, and take control of your own revenue in some ways. Yeah. You, I think, you I, have, yeah. I, I think it's go cool ahead, that you guys would do it too. It's, it's almost like when you, we hear all these like, Instagram stories or, or things on Twitter, like things have become so much more transparent that all these music artists, right? Now they're saying, you know what? I yeah. don't want to go the traditional route and sign a dumbass, you know, 10 year or a 10 record deal. That's my whole career for pennies when I could own my masters and I can get paid way more, right? And it's like, I think that's cool yeah. that everyone's doing this, man. And it's it's the way to go because I'm with you, man. I mean, you write something and you can't even get a free beer. That's messed up. That's it's a big right. leap, though, and it, it's a right. credit to it Matt. Is. It's it's a credit to Craig Kent and Matt and every Matt Derrick and all of us that have done this. Is that you have to take a leap at some point? You have to bet on yourself, and you have to say like, "Hey, I don't need yeah. the platform." And and I started at Arrowhead. It wasn't for Arrowhead Product, I wouldn't be here. And Matt, I've told you a billion times, if it wasn't for yeah. you vouching for me to CJ Leboy to do the story on Rob Haran, I wouldn't be here. That got that story got me the Chiefs job in a lot of ways. I've told a story yeah. about a thousand times, but at some point you do this long enough and you either kind of stay holding to, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's like you said, it's the way that the system and the way that the industry is set up, but the industry right. is from freelance perspective is broken. It's the only reason that we can do this yeah. is because right. it's so out of whack that you can take, and I, these numbers are arbitrary and just making stuff up, but you can theoretically take 10% of the people that consume your content and move it to a, an ownership model like a Substack, and you make 80 times the money. Like it is so right. far out of whack that eventually, yeah. like you said, Matt, either everyone's going to change or the paid subscription model that local newspapers are doing. The Athletic did it, and everyone kind of balked at it. But what the yeah, Athletic learned, we're getting way off topic. What the Athletic learned is that advertisers couldn't sell banner ads anymore at least not at the same cost they were selling it before. It was old advertising. It was archaic and they couldn't figure out how to monetize written content. And rather than trying the banner ads and just failing, they just said, you know what, we're going to make all of our content behind a paid model. And then the writers still weren't getting that cut. Now you just cut out the middleman. And this is not to brag, but to like, if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know what, like maybe I should go that route. I, I will say this. I was taking very good care of a bleacher report. Yeah. Very good care of uh, BJ. We got That's drunk in Indianapolis one night and you were like, how much do you make? And I showed you and you didn't believe me. So that's a good, that's a good way of saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I do now, yeah, but still, you're my yeah. boy. Yeah. I was like, I don't believe you. I don't yeah. believe you at all. It was true. So it's May 3rd <laughs> as we're talking and the draft scout this year has made more money than I made at Bleacher Report last year. So in Damn, three insane. months, in three months of writing, because I didn't leave Bleacher Report until February 11th, the web, the business has made more money than I did in 12 months at Bleacher Report. I've already hired two people to help. Like it's, it's growing and it mm-hmm. is, it's a testament to people like supporting your work and wanting to consume your content. It's a testament to people trusting you. Right. But mm-hmm. also like that there is an appetite for content that's not geared toward getting someone to click on it. You know, it's not geared toward hot takes or like, I don't write things now being like, man, what will people read? I write things like someone is paying me $7 a month for this content. I better deliver really good content that they're not going to get somewhere else. So that's yeah. the end of my business ethics talk. I could talk about <laughs> for what I've been doing the last two months. I could talk about this stuff for hours and yeah. hours and hours because it's fascinating uh, when you really start peeling back the curtain of how all of this works. 
Um, and not at a huge level. I think once you, like what you said, there's kind of like the two, like once you hit a certain point, then it's like national, that's a whole different ball game, but the kind of in the middle of the freelance writers, like there's a, there's a different way to do this. And like you said, um, building that audience and, and not incentivizing it based on clicks and views and, right. and all that kind of stuff. Cause all that does is incentivize people to do that catchy crap that we all right. Facebook on, headlines, but yeah. we hate and you yeah. forget Skip. eight seconds later, it doesn't do anything for a business that right. wants to sponsor you just because you get and a lot of clicks community. on something you yeah. forget. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Which absolutely. I know you guys will do a great job of. That's a huge part. Build your community, right? And then interact with them and 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 they'll follow you anywhere. So yeah, football though. Yeah. yeah now, the perspective like I said, I'll, last pitch. We have eight different perspectives on our on our platform right now. We have a cr- credential beat writer, the top three bloggers, three former players, and a former insider. You can't find that anywhere else, let alone the way that as we're well doing as, it as efficiently as possible. Maybe most importantly. You have a Jack Stack sponsorship, and I'm so freaking jealous about that. Like, well, I, you I keep mean, tweeting about Joe's, Matt, and don't think I don't see. It. <laughs> they're different. And I know they don't sponsor. They don't they sponsor. They're, they they're different experiences. They really are. They are. So when I, I go needed to, to celebrate my engagement, I went to I Jack to Stack. Okay. Yes, you did. So, yes, you did. Yeah. And I. Yes, you did. Um, but yes, the. Uh, the Joe's, I, I still eat at Joe's. I, I'm a Jack Stack guy. I'm a brand ambassador, but there's no bad barbecue. So there's no bad thing. There I'm going to tell people Q30. Yeah, it's it's I'm, in Carolina. It's not around yeah. here. It's it, out in Carolina. I'm sponsored by Boulevard. Guess what? I'll still drink a Blue Moon every now and then. You know, okay. you just, it's okay. Or a Yingling. All right. So, hey, with, with draft season wrapping up, right, Matt, are, are you kind of going to take a break? Because I'm sure no. I'm sure I'm sure your schedule was very grueling. What what is behind the scenes? Because I know the, the writing is, you know, your finished product, your stack is like the finished product. But what, what's your schedule like for for watching film, uh, uh, all your different contacts and sources? You know, how are you managing? Yeah. How are you managing all the information you're aggregating for your subscribers? Uh, it's tough. It is. It is. There's no break, Nick. Uh, there's okay. not at all. Um, tomorrow and Tuesday morning, uh, I will actually have a top 50 big board for 2022 available oh on my, my website. And then Wednesday, I will have a 2022 mock draft. And part of it is fun. I enjoy creating that content, but there's an appetite for it. As we talked about yeah. before, people want it. This is my job is to create what people want at this point. So keeping everything organized is the biggest task of my job. And it it requires a lot of note taking. Um, I have two notebooks that are carried with me constantly. One is for business and the development of the website and the brand. And the other is scouting notes, things that, you know, if somebody calls me, I'm writing it down. Um, And then all that that I write down in the notebook goes into a, a Google sheet, basically. And every player has like a line where it's, you know, Trevor Lawrence, 6'6", 225, junior, five-star recruit, the head coach, Debo Swinney, you know, injuries, here they are, you know, had COVID, uh, positives, weaknesses, scout grades, you know, everything that I need to know about that player goes into essentially a line that is then added to all year long. So I already have about 200 players in a list for next year. That will grow to around 700 players by Labor Day weekend when college football essentially kicks off. And so every player will have that line item that then becomes their scouting report. And so it is a lot of just detail, a lot of organization. I am, I got to get over this like idea that it would take me longer to train someone than it would benefit, you know, that like to get someone up to speed because so much of it's just in my head, but I really need to get to the point where, as I said, I've hired two people to help. I need to let them help me. Um, and, And that's a big part of it too, is just, you know, finding out your system. I've been doing this professionally for 11 years. So I've learned what works and doesn't work. I've learned what information I need about a player versus the, what I don't need about a player, you know, and this past year was really difficult because um, keeping track of players who opted out became difficult. You know, like a guy opted out, then he opted back in, then he opted out again and keeping track of injuries was difficult because that information wasn't really shared as much this past year. So, uh, and then film study uh, has already started. Um, I have found that the best way to like energize myself before the draft is to start on next year's draft. That's a trick I I started in about 2018. So like right before the 2017 draft, I started watching the 2018 guys because it was like, I need something. I got to change this up. And I was just sitting in my office late one night and was like, yeah, I'm just going to let's just check out some Sam Darnold because I was kind of tired of watching bad offensive linemen. 
And so now usually around April 1st is when I'll start like kind of energizing myself by watching next year's class a little bit. So I've watched some tape on the quarterbacks for next year and then like the top names, but I will by Labor Day, I will have at least three games down on the top hundred players on my list for next year. And then that process starts back again. And my rule is a player doesn't get a scouting report until I've seen three games from previous year and three games of current year. So scouting reports will probably this year start to roll out earlier because we'll have a normal schedule. And, you know, last year I was transitioning away from Bleacher Report and into the draft scout during that time period. So I didn't get to create all that content. So this year by New Year's Eve, my goal would be to have a player page essentially built for the top 200 players with scouting notes in there that will be added to, of course, throughout the pre-draft process. But it's the organization of this job, when you, especially doing it independently, is, is the biggest obstacle. Yeah, Max, makes a lot of sense. Now we're going to get to the stuff that most of the people probably listening want to know as one of the foremost experts on the NFL draft. They want to know about the Kansas City Chiefs drafts and for you uh, yeah. to share your thoughts on that. So I want to get your thoughts first on the Chiefs' first pick. Uh, it was in the second round, and Nick Bolton, the linebacker out of Missouri. Uh, there's a lot of talk. Anytime you say the Chiefs drafted a linebacker, most fans will just naturally say, uh, and I like Ben Neiman, but it's like, does that mean Ben Neiman won't be playing as much? And that's not the case here. Uh, but what do you see from Nick Bolton as far as how he might fit and what skills he brings to the table? I, I like Nick Bolton. Uh, I had him graded higher than where he was drafted, which is always a great starting point, right? I thought he had a chance. <laughs> If you go back two months ago, you saw his name late first round in some mock drafts. I would not have been surprised if someone like the New Orleans Saints had drafted him on Thursday night. Um, as it stands, he falls to round two, and I do think he fell. I think that was a really good value for them. I think an important part of this was they built that offensive line through trades and free agency, uh, which was obviously the biggest need. And looking at the positions that had just come off the board, I didn't feel like there was a, a wide receiver that you had to draft at that spot. The tight end position had been hit a little bit by the time they drafted Nick Bolton. So I also thought the value lined up with their needs at that point. Now, what they're getting in Nick is a three-down linebacker. At Missouri, obviously, he can play stack linebacker. He can play in space exceptionally well. I think the misconception or, or where people lack some, in, you know, some knowledge about his game is that he can actually rush the quarterback some, too. We saw him do that at Missouri. So, no, he's not going to be – you know, lining up next to Frank Clark and going to tackle Derek Carr every third down, but he does give you some flexibility there. So I think he got knocked a little bit because he's a little bit shorter, but he's a stocky, well-built athletic linebacker who does give you true three down ability. And I, I said this a little bit earlier today to some people, I liked him more than I liked Willie Gay coming out. And so for a comparison of what you have on the roster, I think he will be the best linebacker on this roster very soon. Yeah, I agree. And, and I like the packages that he's able to do because he can put his hand in the dirt, so to speak. And then he yep. can also, he's quick enough to cover in space. So you don't have to switch packages uh, like, like the Chiefs were doing last year, where you got like sort of a nickel packaging, right. like a rundown package. Um, because that's question, the goal, yeah, right? It is. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. guys in the field. Yeah. You do. You really do. And, and this could be bad as far as like skill set, but as far as like usage, are we talking like maybe a Dante Hightower type? like inside middle linebacker that can rush the passer a little bit. That's when you said that, that's the first name that popped in yeah. my head. My comp for him was Matt Milano uh, with Buffalo, but I think a little more pass rush, you know, and, and a little stouter, obviously. But I think what Nick is so good at is, and not not our Nick, Nick Bolton <laughs> is so good at is you know, playing in space and, and being valuable in pass coverage, which I think you could watch the Super Bowl and be like, why is the middle of the field wide open? Like, it'd be great. You know, as much as the Chiefs offensive line got knocked by people, let's not forget the defense did not play well either. And so I think finding people who can cover tight ends, can take away middle of the field, people are going to put slot receivers on their ass when they come over. Like, you need that, right? You need that little bit of an enforcer in the middle of the field. I think he'll be more that than he will be pass rusher. It, it really does, too. And, and I think that well, I've noted on my film, he had some like, I'm not going to call him Derek Johnson, but had some like sort of these Derek Johnson tendencies where he can trust his speed enough to backdoor yeah. some some blocks. Like, was that some stuff that, that you saw in film a, as well? As far as yeah, the speed? the speed was so underrated, honestly. And, and that really surprised me that it didn't get more love because I don't think he tested exceptionally well. I don't have that, that in front of me. I don't think his pro day time was that great, but who cares about pro day times this year? They were all fake anyway. So <laughs> I, I think we just like watch the tape and he's playing in the SEC. Like, this yeah. is not North Texas, you know, who he's running down. Like, this is Alabama and Florida. And, and so being able to see him, like you said, the closing speed, the burst in the open field was my favorite trade of his outside of the, the versatility of the position. So my favorite 
uh, fr draft phrase to use is he sorts through the trash trash really well. He can get through a bunch yep. of bodies and he might not test as well. Uh, but the other thing I like about him and Willie Gay, honestly, and one of the reasons I liked Willie Gay last year was just when you watch them, you see the energy they play with. But those guys, Coach Reed says, yeah. energy givers all the time. And that Nick Bolton was the inner, the conduit between the fans and what was happening outside of the field and what was going on between the white lines. And Willie Gay was the same way. So it could be a lot of fun to watch those guys play next to each other and with Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark and Chris Jones. I mean, that's a hyped bunch on that side of the football. But uh, yeah, Matt, I want to – Which – sorry, not, one thing. I – I actually thought the Chiefs defense got fairly complacent last year. There were times they lacked energy. They need somebody to light a fire under them. And and I don't know. I, I'm not in that locker room. I don't know what was going on. But I thought, you know, midway through the year, like, they looked sluggish. It almost looked like they were like, ah, oh, paddle save us. And so hopefully adding more people who can self-motivate will be really good for them. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And then, uh, what about the local aspect, right? I know he's from Frisco, yeah. Texas, but he played college at Columbia, Missouri, which is two hours from – Kansas City does that factor yeah. in now like teams sort of looking for like like a 300 mile radius or, or not I think more so this year because of your lack of information being able to do school visits so I do think this year that factors in because you probably have a pretty good source with that with that program right it's very easy for Brett or Ryan uh, to go over there or even uh, probably not coach Reed but it's very easy for people in the front office to just so oh, I'm just going to run down to Mizzou and, and talk to Eli and figure out what the deal is with this player so I, I think that is very smart this year because of your lack of medical information, your lack of character information that you are taking someone who's essentially in your backyard. Yeah. And they had coach uh, Andy Hill who had been at Mizzou, the chiefs hired this off season had yeah. obviously was familiar with, uh, with Nick Bolton during his time at the university of Missouri. But Matt, I want to move on uh, just for the sake of time and move on to the, the Florida state edge rusher, uh, Josh Kando. A uh, guy that I personally didn't know a ton about, but just it looks like one of those got height, weight, speed, and you yeah. just take him and you try and develop him because he he checks all the boxes athletically and physically apparently that you're looking for. Yeah, triangle player, right? High weight, speed, former five star recruit. When he was on the field, it looked good. You know, he, he definitely flashes that burst. And I think what was most interesting for me is we're seeing a transition away from the Tano Passignan and Breland Speaks kind of tweener pass rusher. Now you're getting down to like, all right, this dude's 255. He's going to pin his ears back and he's going to go. And so comparably to someone like Mike Dana, who they picked up late last year, I, I think you're seeing Kendo be a, a souped up version of that. Somebody who's going to be a plus version in terms of speed, hand use, and being able to truly bend the edge. So yeah. again, it's just a matter of health. And, and you can say that about a couple of the picks they made. I know uh, Jeff talked about Trey Smith. Mm -hmm. That's the key. Like if you can keep Kendo healthy and obviously the chiefs have a great strength conditioning staff, uh, it, they must believe that they can, they've cracked the code and that they, that he's on the path to being healthy. And again, it's, it's very low risk, but I think the upside's really high. And some of we saw them do with Trey Smith and with Kendo is you're taking a chance on a guy who is a five-star recruit coming out of high school who did flash in college. It's just trying to get that consistency. What does that mean? What does that mean? Or, or how do you take that, um, being a former five-star recruit, you're saying he's he's got the size, the skill set that he's right. had in high school, college, traits. and now? Okay. Right. And, and you have all the traits. Yeah. And I think at Florida State, no disrespect to the Seminoles, that hasn't actually been like a beacon of development the last four years, right? They've had a ton of turnover. It's not been a good situation. They haven't been very good. So you're also tapping into, all right, what did this guy learn in college? And what, or did he? Like, how did he get better in college versus high, where he was at when he entered out of high school? And you're probably betting on the upside, Nick, of, okay, now we can actually develop this player because he does have height, weight, speed, length, strength. He has those core traits he might not have technique he might not have you know he's not an, an definitely an example of this but like he might have the best conditioning okay well if we clean those things up teach him better habits how good could he be so sometimes you're looking at those you know former high recruits as well like this dude was great three years ago what happened what how do we get him back to that all right matt putting you on the spot with uh, duke tight end noah gray who laughably looks really looks a lot like Travis Kelsey. He apparently dresses yeah. like him from some of the pictures. Like when you watch him on the field, like he's athletic, he can move. Uh, but like, yeah. he does look like he has the same, like uh, shaving. Like he looks like Travis. Kelsey. Yeah. yeah. I like the, the, the senior bowl. 
Yeah, really had a great senior bowl week, and I was a fan of his headed into Mobile, but he stood out there, and, and he's going to be a middle-of-the-field steam buster type tight end. This is not a an F tight end that you're going to flex out, and, and he's going to play you know all over the formation for you. I think he is a lot like Travis and how your usage is going to be. It's going to be in line to maybe slot. Um, it's going to be more straight line than it is twitch, but that works in this offense. So I think it's actually really smart instead of going and drafting a Tommy Trimble, who's going to be a very different type of player coming out of Notre Dame. You draft someone who's similar, a lot like we see with quarterbacks. You try to keep similar quarterbacks in the system. So your offense doesn't have to change. So I think Noah Gray being the tight end too, uh, he's going to work in a lot of the same ways that Travis does. Now, obviously not expecting him to become a Hall of Fame tight end, who's the best in the NFL at his position, but no they, they are similar in, in how they play the game at least. No, they really are too. Favors. Yeah, right. Seriously. Well, I think the, the, one of the greatest, greatest aspects of Travis Kelsey are underrated is the fact he can block on the edge so well. And yep. and watching Noah Gray, to watching Duke play Notre Dame, I mean, he lined up in the backfield, so he's coming out as like like a fullback, and he's setting the yep. edge. He's doing cut blocks. Uh, is that something that sort of boosted his his draft status? His ability to not only split out and do routes, but to come out and block. I mean, that's got to be valuable. Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge, especially as, you know, Anthony Sherman, uh, no longer part of the team. Uh, obviously, they've, you know, backfilled the, the fullback position, but I think you always want versatility there, Nick. Just to, It just makes your sub packages confusing, you know. If, okay, well, we got <laughs> Kelsey and Noah Gray out there. Like, what the hell are they going to do? You know, and right, yeah. I think that's, that's not a short yard situation. Yeah. Right. I think Andy's done a good job of that, but I, I even think some of the moves they've made, you know, even like with getting Miko Hardman and getting Clyde Edwards Alaire, you're getting guys who are multiple. It's just going to make it that much more confusing. Not to mention, you know, Tom Brady's love of the jersey number change and how, you know, that might affect it. But now you're getting, you know, guys who are, are multiple. It's just smart football. And you got Jet McKinnon, the pickup of Jet McKinnon, right? Like on what Saturday of the draft is a guy that has been banged up, but he can catch. Up. Yeah, he can catch the ball out of the backfield if he stays healthy. That's a fun weapon yeah. for Andy Reid. Now, I want to ask you about the last guy, somebody that we saw um, at the Senior Bowl and Clemson wide mm -hmm. receiver Cornell Powell. Uh, there's been a lot made of the social media post uh, of him kind of pointing out at the Senior Bowl, um, kind of right. letting the DB know a little bit. But uh, what do you know about Cornell Powell and how he fits into what the Chiefs are trying to do? I think the most important note on Cornell Powell is that he is a special teams dog. Like, he will play hard on special teams. And that was how he got his start at Clemson. And eventually, due to injuries, had to work into the lineup as a pass catcher, and he did well. Now, I do think he's a little bit limited in that regard. Like, he's, he's going to – he's tight, like, right. Everything needs to loosen up for him and his steps, his, his lower body flexibility, even. But when you're drafting a receiver on day three, you're expecting them to play special teams and develop. And I think what's nice for chiefs fans. I know my friends who are chiefs fans have been begging for a big receiver. You have one. Now you have a big receiver finally. So I think getting somebody who's six, two plus who is uh, two ten, I think is where he finally ended up as like, you're getting a big receiver who you hope can become a developmental back shoulder fade specialist, a jump ball specialist, so that Travis Kelsey is not your only receiver over five foot eleven in the red zone. I think we would all like to see a little bit more height for Patrick Mahomes to find when things get tight down there. Right. Well with this big big old line, they should be able to run it from uh from twenty yards out. You know? Also so that it's gonna be <laughs> Yeah. I mean my only uh, my only Mahomes complaint has has always been I wish he stepped up at the pocket more. Yeah. Now he'll actually have one to step up in. So that's a little bit of an inside joke. But it will be nice to have him have a pocket to where he can, you know, it's not just Tyreek run deep and we'll throw it or hey Kelsey when all hell breaks loose in the pocket, please scramble and get open and I'll throw it to you. I think it will be nice to see like some actual route progressions this year. Yeah, Cornell Powell looking at pictures. He hasn't missed a lot of workouts in his life it doesn't seem like no. and uh chiefs area scout ryan nutt uh after they drafted him said he's our post up wide receiver now we've got that physical yep. um guy that looks slant route. just slants yeah if you look 610 or 62 610 62 210 you can be like okay what size is that and when you see a picture you're like oh okay that kind of 210 yeah. like he's a big he's a big physical a dude. good 210 right okay solid <laughs> yeah like, like a dk metcalf 210 right like almost no, I would, not that far, but, not, but, but, but close, like, more, yeah, more, not more towards that. He's right. not human. Well, Matt, thank you so much. I know I want to talk to you for another hour and a half about all the Chief stuff, and I'm sure we'll catch up again, but I know you're busy and you got stuff going on. We do appreciate your time. Before we let you go, do you have any just parting words about what the Chiefs did this offseason, what um, top thoughts that you have for Chiefs fans right now? 
Yeah, I was I was texting with one of the scouts back in January, and I was like, I need you to build a wall for my guy Mahomes. And he texted me Saturday <laughs> night, and he said, your wall is built, sir. And so yeah. that's my parting thoughts is they built the wall for for the guy, the best quarterback in the country. I'm very excited to see what happens. Even as a, a Missouri native who is not necessarily a Chiefs fan, I'm just excited to see where this offense can go with all the improvements up front. And, uh, by the way, go Royals, best team in baseball. That's what matters to me now. So nice. that is big time. And we said it to Jeff earlier, Matt, that the everybody throughout the weekend said that the happiest person in Kansas City is Patrick Mahomes with all the moves that they were making. And I think the happiest person in Kansas City is Brittany. <laughs> so definitely. Yeah. And maybe he's protected. You know, like, yeah, yeah. daddy's going to yeah. be able to play on Sunday nights now, <laughs> not lay in a, a cold tub. So exactly. Yeah. All right, Matt, we appreciate it. And everybody for listening, we appreciate you for turning in to this first new edition of Outside the Trenches here on the KC Sports Network. We've got a lot more coming over the next couple of months. And again, July 1st is when we kick things into full gear, full time, all as we get ready for training camp as the Chiefs try to take it back. But Matt, we appreciate it. Nick, thank you, my man. And uh, we'll see all of you guys soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.